Greetings and welcome to the 3T RPG podcast. How nice of you to join us. I'm Harrison Hunt and with me is Mick Manley. Wait. And of course we've got James. Hello. <laughs> this is a podcast all about tabletop RPGs and today we've got a show that future historians will call a collection of sounds. <laughs> I'm going to get a bit creative with the intros because we've actually got no content to go between the intro and the outro so I'm sort of trying to stretch out a little bit you see oh, what I mean? see. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, anyway um, today we've got several segments as is our as is our style it's like a new way of doing it sorry this intro is stupid anyway we've got feedback we've got the news we've got what you've been slaying followed by the main subject and today we're going to be talking about Black Tokyo and then we're going to go on to electro letters. How does that sound, lads? It sounds like it. It sounds appetising. Mm-hmm. 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 Maybe it'll mm-hmm. whet your whistle. Yes, I'm hurting <laughs> your whistle. <laughs> Let's get on to feedback because something terrible has happened. Oh my god! The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes, bitch. The feedback side. It's the feedback section. Yeah, we take your comments and read them out. Yeah. Your intolerance of me and my community express for you the communist hairless apes you truly are. Jesus knows you're evil and will punish you. How dare you discriminate against my truth that the evil ha who bothered me could not produce my truth in her womb is not a blame I will accept on myself. Try to keep up, listeners. This is very strange. But yeah, the tiny human organ I got... The tiny human organ I have been cursed with is not real. It cannot diminish the six metaphysical nipples of my soul that will suckle all who come to be nourished. You and your three shit podcat cannot understand the real. Only the shit you see with your uncaring, intolerant eyes. I will not be silenced. I am the bitch. The bitch who stalks the night. The bitch who always fights to defend the truth that's right. I am the bitch. The bitch who knows the truth. And you are a stupid bum face who cannot appreciate real philosophical nuances when they encounter them. Fuck you, for neither of you understand the meaning of your name. I know to hunt. H. Her Royal Highness Princess Ray Ray Doberwoman, first of her name. Now, what's interesting about this is that she signs off with some Japanese under her name, presumably meant to be her name in Japanese, right? But mm-hmm. she, unfortunately, I think whoever got it to translate it did not uh, appreciate this woman at all and has simply uh, written down Gugurekas, which means Google it, moron. <laughs> so I, I sincerely <laughs> hope this is real and is obviously some backlash from our episode about weird furries. But the thing about it is... I really want to believe it's real, and the ending, if it isn't real, <coughs> that little bit of Japanese at the end is a bit of, is quite genius, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, whoever wrote this, you can start, you could be our new comedy writer. <laughs> yeah, we need you. And if it's not um, a comedy writer, you could be our new gimp. Yeah, therapist. Fre- freakazoid. <laughs> freakazoid. God, I did that for a while. <laughs> um, also, div. <laughs> div. div Oh man, our own personal div So anyway, that is uh, Div of the Week there Princess Ray Ray <laughs> Doberwoman Div <laughs> um, Yeah, so um, That's it for feedback Keep in touch keep, Do keep in touch I, I did want to email We sort of started a bit of a witch hunt on our Discord, didn't we? Trying to see We were like, alright, who's done this? Who, who's <laughs> yeah, been a naughty yeah, boy? Yeah, 
<laughs> who's done it own up yeah um, but uh, if, as far as I can tell it doesn't appear to be any of them we did suspect it to be Owen Lean but his excuse was I don't speak Japanese which I don't know yeah but anyway that is it for feedback shall we do some news mm. please Paizo prices one shot adventures at $50 a piece. Fuck off. Get out. What is that? What is that bullshit? Fifty dollars for a one shot. <laughs> so recently, so recently, Paizo they decided to do a promotion where they sold their adventures for five dollars a piece. But someone at Paizo mistakenly put forty nine ninety nine in the email sent to everyone subscribed to their newsletter. And I only found out because I got both both emails. But imagine logging on one day and just going, "What the fuck is wrong with these people? They're obviously going through hard times because they they're selling one shots for fifty quid." Fuck. <laughs> think they're the, the apple of the RPG world. The twats. Yeah, that's what it is. They'll keep. Oh. They'll keep taking. T- casing, they'll keep taking stuff away and be like, "This one, uh, we we're streamlining it, and it doesn't contain words, and it's yeah. fifty nine ninety nine. <laughs> they give you an empty PDF for a hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they give you Adobe Acrobat, the free version. <laughs> uh, that is it for the Paizo story, really. I mean, there's not much more to. It. I just thought it was funny. Um, Next yeah, uh, bit of news: the Wild Die podcast has ended. Um, oh, I don't believe it. I mean, it hasn't been good in a while. Around, the, I was going to try and figure out what date it was when I left, but uh, oh, oh, that is <laughs> obviously it actually. Ha- it, it did actually remain very good, um, and they had Carl Kiesel yeah. on there, who's a bit of a genius. Uh, it's probably the best podcast out there for trying to learn to play Savage Worlds because it's got uh, you know well, a couple intent, of geniuses. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and Eric and Carl and uh, really, really clever, and Gary's obviously really funny. So it's a shame that it's ended. Yeah. But I would just mm. the reason I wanted to include this in here is because I thought if you are thinking about getting into Savage Worlds, and a couple of our listeners have mentioned that recently, to uh, probably go back and give these a listen before Eric gets fed up of paying for the Podbean license. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's um, there's quite a, there's quite a handsome chap on there for a little run of episodes. Oh yeah, Manuel. Good guy. <laughs> Lovely <Shut> guy. Up. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, then the final bit of news is that new official Marvel role-playing game is coming. It sort of hurt me to put this in here because it doesn't interest me even slightly. But I know James, you're into your you like Thanos's big purple face, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, but I wouldn't say I like it enough to be fucking anywhere near excited about a p- piece of shit role-playing game that they produce. The, the the movies and the shit, it's just like, right, it's an easy action watch, that's it. That's about it. Well, I mean... Is it a whole system? Is it a whole it system It's going to be well? a whole system, and historically... Oh, interesting. A, a lot of people liked the original Marvel role-playing game. Like, a lot of people actually kind of rate it, but it was one of those that was like, you know, early Marvel, um, early role-playing game, and so it was a bit, it was like janky as fuck, and you could end up with the power just to, I don't know, like move small objects with your mind and breathe underwater or something like this do you know what I mean but then somebody else has got invulnerability and laser eyes do you know what I mean Uh but um, uh, from all accounts it's actually quite fun and it's actually a really interesting sort of history behind Marvel role playing games but the uh, yeah the last Marvel role playing game was uh, released by Margaret Weiss um, of Dragonlance fame in tw- oh wow yeah in 2012 and it was actually really well received bagging two origins awards but actually didn't sell mm. well at all 
So mm. here we are, nine years later, and a new version has finally been announced, and we're not going to get it until 2023. Wow. I'll tell you oh. what is interesting. Whilst you were, I was pondering on it just now. Um, because if you're familiar with, obviously, the Marvel characters, it would be interesting to see, one, the system that, uh, of choice, and two, um, the mechanics behind everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I, because it, then you could understand how to basically use that, maybe not for a Marvel game, but for something else. Because I don't, I don't think I'd take pleasure out of playing a Marvel game. But you might take pleasure out of playing a Supers game with yeah. some of the Marvel powers available. Because, you know, yeah. Spider-Man individually sucks. Wolverine, actually, of the X-Men, isn't very good. But you get Wolverine... Wolver, Sp- Spider- Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> and the the bad guy, Antifistamine. Um, <laughs> oh no, my arch nemesis. But yes, this uh, this game is actually going to be made in-house by Marvel, so uh, it means it will stick probably quite closely to established canon, and there aren't really that many details yet, but they're planning to release a free playtest version sometime before the full game, and it's going to use a new system called the D616 system, which I have no idea what it is, but Marvel says it will be an accessible and easy-to-learn system for newcomers to tabletop RPGs. One amusing detail, though, and this is kind of what tipped me over the edge to actually including this, is that the character's stats will be Might, Agility, Resilience, Vigilance, Ego, and Logic, which spells out Marvel. Oh, fuck off. Uh, It's kind of funny because imagine if DC tried to do the same thing, and it's like you've got two stats. Dexterity and Charisma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's one of these. Yeah? What you slaying? Yeah, so we ended our Tough Guys campaign. Um, So, yeah, this is British Gangster Game. Now, to give a quick recap as to everything that's happened, the guys were excommunicado, so their gang was basically uh, ejected from the criminal underworld uh, based on the fact that they um, uh, were framed for a murder of a Yakuza boss. So they cleared their name and then got into hacking the Bank of England, did one final heist to get this machine into the Bank of England to uh, to start siphoning money off electronically. Um, oh, yeah. We made, we so, made quick buck, that's for sure. Yes, yeah, mega bucks. So now filthy rich, the one thing that the players had left to do was sort out the Yakuza, their last remaining rival gang. And, uh, yeah, they, they basically... Kidnapped one Yakuza boss to lure the other boss into into London. And in doing so, we set up kind of this final encounter thing. So uh, I was going to do like a mass battle, but instead I decided let's just do one, you know, really big fucking cool combat to, to end this campaign. Because we've been playing for like 20 games and uh, I wanted players to be able to actually use their shit. So I drew a huge fucking map of Albert Square, had it all, which is where the uh, players sort of operated from, and then had these guys sort of set up. They they had half an hour. They knew the Yakuza were coming to get revenge. And they had half an hour to get everything ready, and they set all of these uh, traps. Um, and for example, uh, they set up a bomb in their chip shop so that hot <laughs> fryer oil and saveloys would destroy. <laughs> Yakuza, I'd say they, they set it up so it triggered when they would enter the part, enter the chip shop, and it was pretty fucking disgusting, actually. Well, yeah. What was cool, so um, part of their setup, what they did is they got all of the villagers uh, from the uh, from Wolford to help in the fight, um, and called in some yardie mates, which are like Jamaican gangsters. 
Um, yeah, and had all of this stuff. Um, and Tiffany, James's character, made a bunch of signs, sort of saying, chip shop this way, kind of thing. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> them towards a chip shop, but um, mm. uh, in a way that it looked like advertising. Instead. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was such a clever move. Yeah. Well, here's the cool thing. So we had f- uh, all of these guys all set up. So the guys picked vantage points uh, in in the town and, and decided where to go. Then in addition, yeah, so we were all like separated. Yeah, exactly. And then in addition to that, you had all of your Albanian bodyguards, all the yardies, all of the um, citizens as uh, sort of counters on the map. It was pretty insane. And as soon as the Yakas are coming to town, there's about 50, 50 foot soldiers coming in. And then, a, and then a helicopter starts circling. The boss lady of the Yakuza, this woman called Hanako, she had a sniper rifle and was doing some sniper rifling uh, down, on, uh, d- down on the ass. But there was another guy in there and he's wearing like a demon mask, a Tengu mask. Um, and uh, he jumps down into the fight and it's Ian Beale. Now, for those that Fucking don't know... Beale. Fucking this got Ian on a previous take we didn't use, I described him as a slug that's turned into a human being. If you've ever watched EastEnders, <laughs> he's like the biggest loser on the planet in, in oh, that mate. show. He was um, he's homeless at one point. Everything always gets stolen from him. Um, he, he throws some dinner on the floor. His wife tried to poison him using poison tagliatelle, and he believed that he deserved to be killed and was eating tagliatelle off the floor crying. So this is the sort of guy that you're dealing with. Um Anyway, it, it, long story short, it turns out that this whole time he had been betraying them. So, uh, he was in charge of the chip shop and selling their cocaine through the chip shop. So he was um, siphoning, off, siphoning off money the whole time and paying it to the Yakuza with a view to joining them. And also um, was helping the other gangs that come to town um, to find these guys so previously when one of the the boss of the Albanian mafia knew where their mums were took one of their mums out on a date would turn up at Nick's flower arranging club dressed as a woman like just to Bastard. try and skip yep. shit these people up and it was turns out Ian Bill was the bad, bad guy all along he was feeding this information to them because these guys used to bully him all the time and uh, he wasn't having any of it so he planned this big elaborate revenge and came in you know with an army of yakuza a helicopter and him he, he himself has been training with uh with a, with a katana so yeah funny thing is as well is that I, so I, I at one point i didn't really say what he looked like i just said that he was wearing a suit and and a mask at the time but at one point um as you you and him were engaged in a fight nick uh if you remember at one point i go he lifts his eye patch up at this point it's like he's suddenly got an eye patch because he's evil <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i didn't think that <laughs> so um Brilliant. So yeah, and, and I think the last encounter, it was a big one, obviously. If you just imagine a riot, and right in the middle of it, you know, fucking four different gangs are facing off. Um, yeah. It was pretty fucking fun. And, um, oh, mate, I it was awesome. One of my favourite parts was that it was the sort of most evenly matched fight I've ever seen. It was such a good fucking fight. But yeah. Nick, your battle with Ian Beale was pretty intense because Nick was in the in the park and he got in this huge fight with Ian, like a one-on-one fight while all this chaos was happening all around them. Nick even got surrounded by foot soldiers at some point as well and was holding his own. Like, he was fighting yeah. Ian Beale, this fat darts player, and it got to the <laughs> point where both of them were on three wounds, which basically means in Savage Worlds, you're nearly dead. And both yeah. of them were just exchanging blows. Going it was- for it, yeah. It was beautiful. Ian went down. I put him on my shoulder. I tried to, to like, oh my god, it was mental. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. amazing. 
It was actually and so James good. shot down the helicopter. We had another guy yep. taking out foot soldiers by throwing debris at them. Uh, the hooligan was going around killing people and went after the yakuza boss after she disappeared into the pub after the helicopter got shot down. So was it. it was like it was basically the most of the session was that combat, but it was such a fun, action-packed, crazy fucking combat. We had saveloys flying all over the place with hot <laughs> oil. We had helicopters going down. It was it was pretty beautiful. Yeah, it was. In the end, we managed to get through the fight with no casualties to player characters, which is really lucky, considering how it was going at certain points. Oh, yeah. Um, Miraculous. Yeah, fucking... Nick, tell us about the the ending, because what I like to do at the end of a campaign, after these guys beat the Yakuza, is like, now they're filthy rich, and all the opposition is gone. They're legends out there. So, yeah, tell me about the endings that we did. Oh, mate. So, yeah, so we all had had little inputs in the endings, and... um... Mickey basically sorted out Wolf, you know, Wolford, uh, made it uh, a really popular place and stuff, put some money into it. And then after that, he, he wanted to uh, reignite his dark career. So he went off to, uh, I can't remember where he went to. That was it not Manila. Where did he go to? Mauritius. Live? Mauritius, that's it. So <laughs> he was in Mauritius. Yes, yeah, so he went to Mauritius to, to do a dance tour, basically. And um, so for, from about episode, I don't know, episode three, yeah. um, we've had, I've had a, uh, a uh, what is it, like a companion. Um, yeah, and she's a, a bodyguard and a pilot called Zawadi that you met in Africa. Zawadi. That's it. Yeah, we met her in Africa, and um, she's basically like kind of been by my side this whole time. And like we've, t- I taught her how to play darts, and like I think trying beer together was a laugh. Do you remember when we got her a drink? Oh yeah, she thought Guinness was a traditional welcoming drink of the English people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so she's been and she's been fantastic. Like you know, um, D8s across the board. So great pilot, good shooting. She's just been brilliant. Anyway, so we, the last scene for Mick was uh, them two like sitting. Uh, I, uh, watching the sun go down in uh, in Mauritius, and uh, then he turns around to Zawadi and uh, yeah, pops a ring out, mate, and proposes. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you. I, I uh, I've, this sounds a bit lame, but I actually found that quite touching. <laughs> well, it, the thing was at the table, it came out of nowhere because there was not even the slightest hint that there was any sort of romantic inclination there. Do you know what though? It's one of those things that came out of nowhere but made perfect sense. Yeah, that's yeah, it I did. think what made it. That, that yeah, was so. <laughs> and it was actually really nice. Um, you know, James, your character Tiffany, along with. Uh, Payne, uh, one of the bodyguards who's another player character, and Lugash set up a set up a few charity efforts for underprivileged children throughout London as well. And yeah. then yeah. Mo Exotic, the football hooligan, bought Millwall Football Club. <laughs> and uh, so the very last scene that we see throughout the game, the hooligans had this edge uh, hindrance, right, called hooligan from Tough Guys. And at the beginning of each game, you pull a card, and if your team wins then you get bragging rights for the whole game. But if they lose, then you're more susceptible to taunts for the rest of the session. Yeah. And um, right at the end, because we we just ended and we were like, okay, you've bought Millwall, everyone's in the box, you know, you've come back from Mauritius where you live and everyone's spending one, you know, last time together watching Millwall play Queen's Park Rangers. And then we said, all right, just pull one last card. Ryan pulls it and they win. And so it was like, and yeah, we said right. it was thirteen one. <laughs> it was pretty it was funny. The perfect ending because so much good had happened. There was that marriage. There was all of the um, charitable efforts going on. The re- uh, the rebuild of the town. You know, everything yep. was like just good for once in this really like because we were against the best game ever. 
And yeah. then it was, um, yeah, right at the very end when it got to Ryan and he was like the last one at the table saying what he wanted to happen to his character. And then he said that he purchased this and he said, oh, can we uh, do one last thing and have a sit there in the, in the special box and have a game together? And then just as he pulled that card, it was like everyone at the table was just speechless because it was like the perfect ending to it such worked an so amazing well. campaign. I think it was, um, a, it was an amazing ending. It was very, very satisfying. And I think, yeah, after all the chaos, because this has been a mental campaign, it was so good <laughs> to have that like one last bit where something just goes right for you. Yeah, yeah absolutely brilliant. And um, I, I really, really enjoyed Tough Guys overall uh, oh, running it anyway. Too. What a campaign. I think- I know, you know, buy us or not, fuck off. Um, it's it's yeah. so good. Anyone in Britain, just play it because it's so easy to understand. Yeah, exactly. If you've ever watched a Guy Ritchie movie, it'd be nice and easy for you. And uh, exactly. you know, most of, most of the testament I think goes to Wise Guys for how smooth and streamlined he has made that system because Tough mm-hmm. Guys is an expansion for it. So I think yeah. yeah, Eric has done a fantastic job with Wise Guys and you should definitely oh, yeah. just pick it up. Um yeah. but that's it, it's the end. And uh so next week we are starting up a new <laughs> campaign. I know I know why you're laughing, James, and it's for the same reason as me. Uh, my brother is running a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like game. So it's not set in the same universe, but it's basically all the same themes in the same type of game. Um, so instead of Shredder, it'll probably be like Greater or something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Sean kind of he. We, so we're going to be playing Mutant Hero Beasts. That's what the the campaign is going to be called because it's not necess- You don't necessarily have to be a turtle. We're going to be using Savage Worlds. Yep. But what's funny about it is that in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you actually have a lot of them are named after they're like so you got splinter you know Di- leonardo donatello and then named after like renaissance painters right and there's no but there's no pun names but all no, we've been doing enough. is coming up with characters based on puns um <laughs> and my brother who is running a campaign is hating it he is really hating it because he doesn't want this campaign to become a joke and it's like <laughs> well and but got, got my, one of my contender fa- at the minute Go on, tell the favourites. We'll get to that because I think it's the best one. Um, but yeah, I, I came up with quite a few and one of them was Christina A. Gorilla, who is an ape attorney. Um, also Albert Einstein, who is a weird scientist pig. I yep. was also came up with the same idea, but Niels Bohr as well, who's a physicist, um, I think. Um, and also um, Hot Air Baboon. Who's a, a, a Zeppelin pilot who's also a baboon. I but do I like that, uh, Mike Python. Well, I also said, I said to Sean, an even better one would be, because it's, uh, you know, that 90s attitude of the tur- turtles. What about Bike Python, who's a BMX riding snake? <laughs> and the, yeah, and also the funny thing about the uh, turtles universe is none of them are called the animal that they actually are, but we, we've been going mental with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, somebody wanted to do Bear Grills, who's like got you know one of those gold teeth grills, but he's a bear. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I think the the front contender at the moment is is that James Clark. You put on our WhatsApp group Duck Norris, and I think, <laughs> yeah. I think and we were like, then what was funny is that it evolved from that, and we're thinking of playing an entirely duck based squad of mutants. So we have yeah. Duck Norris, Quacky Chan, uh, James Pond. Uh, Captain Quack Sparrow. Anyway, l- loads of these things. So, and it's, it's been, a, pre- been a duck cum- cumber quack. Oh, for God's sake. 
that was that was the worst one. And then Sean got really angry and was start taking the piss out of us on the group. I was like, uh, I'll come up with two peck feather. Um, <laughs> and I, I corrected him right because I'm like, Sean, you're not getting on the right wavelength here, right? Because two peck feather is stupid, but two peck cacao. That's, that's different. Now, now we're talking. Now that's we're talking. Real, that's got some. That's got some legs. I really hope he does let us be all ducks. But I yeah, uh, bear too. in mind we do. We do have to make characters that aren't just a funny name. <laughs> if we are all ducks and we all get like start shouting at each other, we should just like drop into duck. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I like this already. Yeah. Oh. But the thing is, Sean, Sean was like, he, he was putting on the group, he's like, so you're just starting with the names, mostly. And I'm like, no, no. Bike, pi- Bike Python, he's lived, uh, you know, that's that's pretty fucking turtles, if you ask me. Yeah, that is. But uh, yeah, so TMNT, we'll have more on that, obviously, next time we do an episode. But I just wanted to point that out, because it was, it was coming up with a lot of celebrity-based animal puns is very fun. And I said yesterday, I put a screenshot on the group, because I was like... I think I've hit rock, rock bottom because I was searching for hippo celebrity puns. <laughs> right, uh, but next up, uh, Nick, as you have moved away, Nick's thing is starting a, uh, a monthly, I'm assuming either online or in person or whatever we can do mm-hmm. at the time, game. Yeah. Um, and I picked up Necropolis 2350, which is basically Warhammer 40k for Savage Worlds. That's one of the front runners. But have you got any other ideas for what you might want to run? Uh, well, I, oh, I, was, I was toying with the idea of Cthulhu because we haven't played Call of Cthulhu for such a long time, and it's yes, uh, it's it's really good fun. Um, but also uh, Mutant Mechatron, mate. Oh, yes, please. All playing robots, and I've got the I've got the dice set as well. Oh, yeah, that would be fucking great. So this is using the Year Zero system and mm-hmm. universe, um, but it's you play robots whose human masters have disappeared. That's right, yep, and you've been left to your own devices for millennia, I guess, and um, after a while you become aware and uh, and start searching for answers, basically, so yeah, it's cool. Is that set after Mutant Year Zero? Same time, I believe, yes, yes, they all kind of link up. They're compatible, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought. Oh, okay. Same time, but completely different area. Correct. So when when we did uh, Nick's Gen Lab campaign, I was actually looking into this a little bit because I was interested about how they work together. And what a lot of people say is basically, uh, so Gen Lab, Gen Lab Alpha is where you play mutant animals. Mutant Year Zero is where you play mutants in the apocalypse, and then Mechatron is where you play um, robots, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they're all compatible. You don't have to do it, obviously, because that might get a bit bloody overwhelming, but. They're all compatible, but what a lot of people are saying is kind of the balance is a bit off if you do all three. Like Gen Lab characters are really powerful to start off with, yeah. Whereas Mechatron characters get powerful later on, right. um, whereas Mutant Year Zero are more average across the board. I seem mm-hmm. to something like that. But yeah, I mean that's another one as well. Like Gen Lab, another game where you play animals. Yeah. The funny thing about it is that um, you know, like the, it's actually quite serious in a lot of ways. But, yeah. but it does say, look, you're playing animals, it's going to get silly. And I think the same thing will probably happen with Mechatron, don't you, Nick? Oh, definitely, mate. Definitely. Put the wrong attachment on, you know, a bit of um, a bit of short circuiting going on. It's going to be a laugh, mate. Can you imagine, <laughs> like, you Johnny first... Fives, a bunch of Johnny Fives just going around. Well, uh, when you first told me about this, my instant thought was, okay, so I'm a helper robot that used to help the human race before the apocalypse. I'm going to be a vending machine because you there played you a go. vending machine in another game, and actually, uh, and then I stole your idea and played it in another game as well. So I'm like, and it was just really imagine good. your main attack being vending hot coffee into somebody's oh, face. Love it, exactly. <laughs> Two <laughs> sugars. 
<laughs> vending. Vending. Ven- you are pending for a vending, sir. <laughs> you have been decaffeinated. So, but I, I've promised myself that I'm going to go through my back catalogue uh, because it's. I forget how big my bloody RPG collection is because I never sell any books. So I've got so many. <laughs> well, that's many. the trouble. Mine's, got, mine's sort of rotating where. Yeah. I'll often the ones I've used and never think uh, think I'll never use again. I tend to tend to sell them up and stuff like this. That's um, it. So I've yeah, got I mean, a bit of a hoarder thing. So yeah, but I'm gonna go through everything and just check and just because there might be one that I've forgotten about and I really want to try that you guys might like. But if not, then yeah, I am uh, definitely well. When <laughs> when Harrison said Necropolis twenty three fifty is just basically forty k for Savage Worlds, I was like, yes, hello. So that's now <laughs> yes, please bouncing around in my head. Yeah. I've only read the back of it and had a flip through it. But the cool thing about this is it's like 40k. So what what it is is the storyline behind it is that Earth got fucked up um, and nobody knows why, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, well, it doesn't say in the book. It's more accurate. But then they move to another planet, right? And now this uh, order of basically like a religious order mm-hmm. um, has started up. Uh, it's basically Catholicism, but weaponized. And they, yeah. they have, you know, chainsaw guns, huge suits of armor, like in 40K, all these vehicles and all this technology. And it's actually like the big leader of the army is is Pope John 25 or something nice. like that. Nice, yeah. And uh, once they got there, they realized there was this army of like... Um, this army of like, you know, like the locusts from Gears of War, for example, which yeah. was actually started out, started its life as a Warhammer 40k uh, video game. Oh, it doesn't surprise me with the big shoulder pads. It's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the thing is, it's, it's like that. So there's these sort of like almost zombie-like native creatures that yeah. can wield guns, use machinery, and uh, they're threatening the extinction of humanity, basically. Awesome. But what I quite liked about it is the campaign, I, which I haven't read, but the way it's set out, they've got a campaign in there where it's just individual missions. And if you fail a certain mission, then you go to a different part of the flowchart and go to this mission. So it's like yeah, a really yeah, yeah. easy plot point campaign to run because it's all separated into into different one-shots and has failure states, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. So yeah, so that's but, that's definitely a... I want to have a look at that because that's that well, be a good one Well, I've sent it your way, Nick, so Thanks, hopefully uh, that, that should arrive soon. Yeah. Okay, well, um, yeah, moving on. Uh, we've, we, I know this segment is going a bit long at the moment, but there's a couple more things I wanted to speak about, right? Because we often don't really speak about what happens at the games outside of the games, and I think there's a couple of really important things that have happened recently. <laughs> James, talk, talk us through the D4 incident. The first game we had back in person, something, a miracle happened. Let's call it that. Uh, so, right, I was rolling, as you do, in an RPG land, but the fucking most incredible thing had happened, and I don't think any of us has ever seen this in person at all ever. Um, only ever heard heard rumours about it because it literally. Some say oh, it can't th- even happen. Yeah. Some, yeah. some say. I, some say no. Experts are baffled. I've got the um, <laughs> exactly. I've got the uh, the the DCC set of dice, um, which have really nice rounded edges on the D four. Oh yeah. Um, so. It, yeah, so maybe it's to protect your feet if you drop it on the floor, you know? Them nasty, Ooh. nasty. But business. the rounded edges is what makes this story even less plausible, but I promise you there are witnesses. I, I just did a standard roll, um, and then the D4 just seemed to be spinning along, around and around. I was like, oh, that's pretty weird. And then it stopped, but it was completely upside down on, on the, the point. top well, of... On yeah. the top of the pyramid, ah. and I took a photo of it, and I'd stopped and like put my arms out so no one could jog the table, and I just went, 
oh my god look and Harrison and me looked at it first and everyone else was like what oh was my like, yeah god. we were literally screaming we were like what the fuck like because it does it was so weird and it was stopped like completely flat service just stopped on the point oh mate but, that's so cool and no result because yeah. of it, this the actual the, the first ever time I've ever seen a D four given a no result. That's that's crazy. I've got. I took a photo of it. I will send it, Nick. Put yeah, put please. it on the Facebook group, man. Because that that was that's that was a genuine miracle that we saw in action. Was. I believe in the, the Jesus now. That's because you lot <laughs> been talking to the dice more often. Oh no, that happened. That happened afterwards. We got this weird new routine where if you really want to roll to go well, you ask the dice quietly. And uh, one of our players, he, he always he always just goes, he leans right in. He's like, come on, mate. You've got to give me the result I want. Daddy loves you. <laughs> and it's actually been working, which is even stupider. Yeah. Anyway, um, next thing is the trouser incident. Because a couple of incidents have happened recently. It's almost like because we haven't seen each other in person much at all, that it's like, People have just forgotten how to act. My brother was changing into shorts for the walk home, and <laughs> in the middle, in the middle of our friend's kitchen, he just dropped his trousers. And I'm like, Sean, what the fuck are you doing? And he was like, Oh shit, sorry. Pulls his trousers back up and then goes up to the bathroom to change. <laughs> and lastly, I won't mention any names, right? But I think this is pretty interesting to talk about because. Um, We've often we spoke about before that after each game we do have a little chat, little wind down, talk about the moments that were good, the afterglow bit. Yep. And uh, we were outside often as we do because people like to go out there to smoke, have one last cigarette before we go home. Or for those weed smokers who obviously I won't name, uh, the people that smoke weed, they'll they have a little you know joint before they head off home. And. Um, we it, it must be said that James lives in one of the cr- most crimiest drug dealer areas of <laughs> Red Hill, um, and police patrol there often. But in five years of us being there, not once has the police ever stopped us, or we've even seen them come near us, right? No. But on this one occasion, one of the players was smoking a doobie, and the players rolled up, uh, and the players rolled up? Um, <laughs> And the police rolled up and obviously gave him a police caution um, and he, you know, shat his pants. But what I found quite funny about this whole thing was that for, for ages afterwards, like on the on our WhatsApp group, he was like, took one for the team, lads, don't worry about it. But nobody else was smoking weed. Well, that was the thing. <laughs> so, no, 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 he didn't. No, no he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. He, the other two weed smokers, one of them was just standing there because he was driving home. The other one was vaping. So, oh, <laughs> I'll have to bleep the name there. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, this player was like, was, was kind of like, um, he, he was just like, took one for the team, lads, don't worry about it, you know, it's all good. And he was like trying to be a bit of a martyr, but uh, no. But to be fair, he did, did uh, draw the attention away because I think if the other two got uh, a, a look in, one of them if we perhaps. if we'd have all been searched uh, I would have been late home and two other people also could have been arrested so it's, it's sort of alright yeah I suppose he kind of did because when they asked is anyone else smoking weed he just said no just me but um, <laughs> it, what was quite funny was that the police officer was very sexy indeed <laughs> I mean I've got I- something she could take down in evidence hey <laughs> and I um, f- another funny thing about them is I, I knew the bloke oh that police was the best officer. Well, I think I think actually this situation diffused a lot as well when she said, "What are you guys up to?" And I said, uh, "Playing D and D." Actually, and she was and like, she, "What?" 
and I said Dungeons and Dragons, and it was sort of like, oh right. She, yeah, she of, literally laughed and was like, they, right, okay. they they started being much nicer at that point because it was like, oh no, they're not criminal scumbags hanging out on a street corner. They're just they're a just bunch nerds. of nerds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But that oh, is that it for funny. what we've been playing. Um, so, yeah, we well, let's get into the main subject, uh, shall we? And just to let everyone know, if you're easily offended, turn off now. And yeah. if you're my mum, please, please don't listen. Please, Irina, please oh, don't. <laughs> main. Subject. Ma- magic. Main. Subject. Tokyo. Main. Subject. So, Fatal. The game so racist, so grossly violent and sexual that it appealed only to the worst kind of psychopathic maniac. It was a game that took out eight hours to make a character, and a game where it was easier to rape someone to death than it was to hit them with a sword. And while that game garnered a deserved reputation for being overly complex and overly detailed, famously making players roll for every tiny detail, including, including their anal circumference, it still doesn't compare to the immaturity and grossness of today's subject, Black Tokyo, a hentai game written by a weeaboo and pervert by the name of Chris Field. Now, this episode was suggested to us by longtime fan Timothy Peer, and while I'm grateful he brought it to my attention, he also made me hate the human race just a little bit more. <laughs> oh, God. But here's what we're going to do, right? Let's see if we can use the content of this book as a kind of psychological exam for Chris Field. And by the end, hopefully we'll get a picture of the man and try to see, does he belong in jail? Um, Because I think the content in this book says a lot about him. (sighs) I don't don't actually want to start, because, yeah, some of the content here is worse than fatal. I'm not not even joking when I say that. So let's get into Black Tokyo. So the book already starts on a high level of maturity with the following line. Pussy, cock, cum, orgasms, kisses and caresses, tears and saliva, blood, shit and bile, flesh stretching beyond its limits and exploding in a shower of gore. Wow. There's no no words, is there? I mean, it is... It's genuinely like when I first started writing this review, I sort of this line. It's like distilling the entirety of Fatal into one sentence. <laughs> yeah. It's just so foul and disgusting, and I don't know, man. Like this is, I don't, is this even funny? I don't even know. Don't I don't know. think it is. You've been having it's a just, crisis this week with this, haven't you? <laughs> I was texting the guys and I was like, I don't know if this is too disgusting to include on the podcast because it is really horrible. And it actually made me quite upset at points. Like, genuinely. not not This isn't hyperbole, but really. Yeah. So, I guess what we'll do is we'll just keep going until we feel like we can't carry on anymore. We yeah, can't okay. do this. We can't do it. In, but anyway, so here's what we're dealing with here. It's a pretty immature, gross project, product, but the stated intention of the RPG is basically as follows. Basically, Chris Field wanted to make an RPG that encompasses the full gambit of hentai genres, from the patently absurd to the incredibly disgusting. He wants to leave no, tu- no stone unturned, and even mentions the anime where sex is used by demons as weapons, you know, such as Urotsuki Doji, which James and I have actually seen. Um... <laughs> But he talks with such passion in this intro about the game featuring rape, incest, bodily fluids of all descriptions, but its main focus is supernatural horror, so we're talking demon lords, sex magic. But the way he puts it is this, right? Now just 
just buckle up, all right, guys? Because <laughs> this is what he says. He says, Hentai campaign isn't much different than any other modern magic or supernatural horror campaign. The main difference is the, the, the explicit and disturbing scenes that may be glossed over in another campaign become an encounter's defining element. Where most campaigns fade discreetly to black as a player begins seducing their lover, in a hentai campaign, the scene only truly begins with the first kiss. Ugh. Sex is described as fully and explicitly as a combat or an investigatory scene. Okay. Now, who... Answer me this, dear listener, and Nick and James. Who wants to play that? Who wants to sit down and get that level of weird with, like, not even, not even a normal sexual encounter, but, but some of the grossest types known to man? <laughs> but imagine, right? So, <laughs> sex crimes, sex right. crimes. I, oh. I, um, I dare someone to no. bring this to a con game. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Don't do that. Don't take James's advice no, because you end up on some sort arrested. of register. Oh, <laughs> it's a new, um, it's a new speed running category. <laughs> oh, Getting arrested for playing a hentai game. Mm, fuck. But that would be <sighs> okay. weird, right? Like, just sorry, just thinking about it. Imagine trying to sit there in your in your safe space with your mates. No. Now, how can you actually? get any pleasure out of playing through that sitting there looking at your s- friends in the eyes going that's yeah, so, so nasty tell me what it? happens next it's, it's, it's absolutely foul I mean no even like so So one that we reviewed a while back right the Encyclopedia of Blue Magic you actually yeah. reviewed this one yeah so so that that one right the, the funny thing about that is is that like if you look at it from a cheeky carry on point of view of, of sex do you know what I mean like an, an old like or something's come up I bet it has like that type of humour oh yeah you could really incorporate that into a normal game and have a laugh at its expense do you know what I mean yeah. oh totally and and some of the magic was actually kind of useful and we'll get yes. to that later but with this thing right it's the subjects are so gross and so disgusting that you couldn't even play it ironically you couldn't no. even go no there's too <laughs> much level of detail <laughs> yeah yeah that's the yeah. problem I feel like right? the only now, way that this would um, sort of go for anyone if it was uh, one of those solo RPGs you know, like that stupid fucking diary thing. Well, it's certainly not a group RPG, is it? I mean, because nobody would Can't ever want to play it. No. So inadvertently, he has made a solo RPG. Now, listen, guys, because it's going to get worse. Um, one <laughs> elephant in the room is the, all the hentai featuring underage characters. Now, oh, God. I, I know. This this was the point, right? We're only, we're only five minutes in here. But this was the point where I was texting the guy saying, I don't know if we can do this, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just gonna just gonna clarify this, right? Because often anime shows that depict underage characters will explicitly state that the child in the production is a 400-year-old vampire that stopped aging, right? Or that they're actually 18, but they look really young, or whatever. But it's a real subgenre in hentai that sadly exists and would be illegal in America and England because we have really strict laws about depicting minors in those types of situations. It's not something we should be talking about on this podcast. But Chris Field points out this in Black Tokyo, and he cites the reason uh, that children aren't including in, in his disgusting sex game um, is because of these reasons, because it's actually illegal. But then follows up with a paragraph encouraging GMs to add children into their games should they want to. Ugh. Mm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. 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 Magic missile. I'm no. <laughs> Fatal had some pretty disgusting stuff in it, but at least Byron Hall never encouraged paedophiles to get their kicks from his game 
Hmm. I mean, Christ, what is happening out there, guys? <laughs> Last week we were talking about furries, right? People that want to have sex with animals, and now this is happening. What is going on with the world? <laughs> Why? But, um, look, it's all good, guys, because the, gar- the, the, the game includes a rule that if you don't want your character to be raped, then put an R on your sheet. Now, if... If... I just... No. That's when you know your game is so bad. So bad that you actually have to include that in there. I mean, fuck me. What is... I can't even explain. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play a jingle here and just cut. Let's... Uh... Boom. Successful. So what the fuck actually is this game, actually? Um, so it's basically a bunch of new shit for D20 systems, specifically 3.5 D&D era open license shit. And the shit this book presents is supposed to morph your game into a modern sci-fi horror hentai game. In fact, the company makes that makes this is called Scorched Earth Games, and uh, they do products exclusively like this one, jumping on the open license so, like so many other companies did, which created the modern D20 boom, where every single property under the sun ended up having a game that used the D&D D20 rule set, including Call of Cthulhu, uh, WWF, and WWE, and things like this. And like I said, this uh, publisher is no different, but the real kicker here is that most of the actual content of this setting is hidden away in a bunch of their other low-rent products. So many of the classes, a whole book of feats, a supernatural book, they also made... So to get the full game, not only are you going to buy this product, which is one of the most deplorable things I've ever seen, you have to also buy about 20 other books to even play it. So let me explain <laughs> this, right? Bollocks. The setting book, right, is is a, a vaguely outlined... That, Basically, the setting in the book is vaguely outlined as this. You play characters working for a black ops government organization called Department 7. You hunt down supernatural things like sex demons, succubi, and rape ghosts, and such like. And that is basically the whole setting. So this book being mainly character options for the D&D rule set, it consists of gear, feats, equipment, and whatnot, and there's barely any stuff on the world. The reason being is that most of it is told via, you know, character options and things like this, which is a fine way of doing it. But imagine buying the book and discovering on page seven that 11 books containing game essential parts are also required to play. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what? There's, there's nothing worse than a game created by a guy who's clearly a bloody sex criminal, but a game created by a sex criminal that also is really bad. Do you know what I mean? Like a <laughs> yeah. shameless cash grab. That is, that's like almost double offensive right there. <laughs> but for example, the actual spy slash investigator stuff is stuffed away in another book. Fuck off, mate. It's not there. <laughs> it's not there. Hey, you wanted a game about spies? Well, you've got it. But, you know, you have to pay me $29.99 first. <laughs> to get it, yeah. <laughs> um, DLC. Yeah, and also all the mutations, right, which is a big part of a lot of animes. That's also relegated to another book. And, uh, yeah, what's worse is all of this is advertised to you right at the start of the book, rubbing it in. So, also, I see a book uh, in here, right, in the advertising segment that they made, and it is called The Innocent. And this is a new class for Black Tokyo, and it's a child. Of course it is. It's a child. The, what he's done cleverly, right, is he's separated that, so he couldn't... So, so no, no, Your Honour. I didn't put child in the sex game. That's in another book that you can use with the sex game. <laughs> so, uh, God, this guy's looking like a pretty fucking cool guy, if you ask me. <sighs> and they make sure to say that the innocent is not a child, but it is, right? Because the cover, uh, and I sent you a picture of the cover, is a little girl with a teddy bear. So, mm. so fuck off, Chris Field. You are a, you're a monster of a human. Um, <laughs> 
But he also points out that these characters could be used for a G-rated game, meaning general audience. But then he mentions how it could be used for a sexual game, which is so wrong. I was going to read a bit from the advert here, but I actually found it genuinely upsetting, so I can't. Yep. So, um, if Move this on. guy isn't on some sort of register, I'd be amazed. <laughs> and in fact, I did a bit of Googling, actually, to see if he'd ever been in the news or anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, well, upon doing so, found out he'd also made a game called Tournament of Rapists. Oh, for fuck's sake. He's such a so, cunt. <laughs> I think we can say that, can we? I mean, that's not liabilis. He is. He knows he is. He made this rubbish. <laughs> Uh, at this point, I did want to give up on the whole review yet again, by the way, but uh, I'm just going to carry on because it's kind of like a horror movie where you're urging the protagonist <laughs> not to go into the creepy house, but they do anyway. <laughs> and whatever happens, you know they'll never be the same. Oh, dear. Sorry, listeners. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, sorry, Harrison. He had to read, digest, yeah, and review this properly. True. I will say this. I will say this. As disgusting as this game gets, what we're kind of doing here is we're poking fun at the guy who made it and basically calling him out. And I just want people to know that deep within the RPG hobby, there are these dark corners of fuckwits that can't make a good game and and go for this horrible shock value doing the most disgusting things ever, some of which is illegal, by the way. But anyway, the first chapter is... Unimoral. And immoral, exactly. The first chapter is all feats, basically. These are like special mechanics you can pick for your character when you level up. So you have cosplay, for example, where you can dress up as pop culture icons and gain bonuses bonuses to balance, bluff, drive for some reason, as if putting on the jacket from the guy from Drive or Baby <laughs> Driver makes you better at driving. <laughs> I mean, that is fucking stupid. Um, and many other skills. But anyway, uh, or how about Grave Between the Legs, where you have poisonous discharge... I can't even say that loudly like I've typed it. <laughs> Basically, poisonous discharge that comes out of your private parts. Um, mm. Mm. Or what about Good. Gunslinger's Fetish, where you can shoot someone, and instead of hurting them, you give them the benefit of any sexual skill you pre- they previously didn't possess. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh, I don't mm. know if I can carry on with this, man. I've just read the next bit. Uh... <laughs> What's your f- doing a? P- oh my god! Now, just to summarise a, f- a few points here. Basically, the next part is magic, right? And uh, it starts with magic items. Now, in previous games, we've obviously like books like this. You know, we found that the magic is probably the best bit because actually a lot of this stuff is useful. Um, this robe spell can be used as a distraction. It can be used to uh, help the thief quick change into another gear or something like this. Um, so it's actually yeah. a decent spell. It's pretty funny and pretty decent, a bit cheeky. But uh, in here, basically, it starts with magic items, and most of them are for, like, tying people up, which can be useful. But then uh, there's a driving license that uh, helps you lie about your age because it's a magic driving license that can change the date of birth on it. That's disgusting. Uh, next. We've got this, a magic skirt that helps you fly, and the book suggests <laughs> to make it a schoolgirl skirt. Of course it does. Yeah, so, and then all, basically, all of the other things are like, all of the actual spells are like just shit versions of already existing ones. So you've got like charm person, but charm person for sex. You've got locate objects, but you might be trying to locate a ball bag, you know, things like this. <laughs> but then there's red zone where where you can basically start a big orgy by making orgy gas come out and uh, 
yeah, the book helpfully reminds you that you need to track STDs that are flying around during this moment. So, uh, lovely. But essentially, <laughs> all the magic is really rubbish and boring. And if you can't tell by my voice, dear listener, I hate my life. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, the I, I, yeah, I, I never thought that there would. Sorry, I, I was just gonna say I'd never thought you'd find a book worse than Fatal. Me neither. Me neither. You've done it. I've done it. Well, I haven't done it. Chris Field done it. Your officer. Your Prick. your your honour. <laughs> Talk to him. Talk to him because the face ain't listening. Um. So, <laughs> yeah. So in in the book, there's several races as well. Um, including fishman, human, zombie, because that's really cool to do. And uh, fox person, you know, as I mentioned, and they can give bonuses to some shits, and and also, you know, have the unique ability of uh, giving their human-like intelligence to animals by having sex with them. Wicked. Okay. Which is disgusting, obviously, but also you can play as the girl from The Ring as well, um, who can climb on walls and shit, which is included in this sexual game for some reason. <laughs> All right, monsters. Let's talk about monsters. So, um... There's about 20 in the book, and they're all based on, like, Japanese folklore, right? So the um, they're called yokai, which is basically Japanese folkloric monsters and, and spirits and things like this. And one of which is the bake neko, which literally means change cat. And traditionally, this monster comes from the folk belief that cats, upon re- reaching a certain age, would kill the person who raised them. And the beliefs about their abilities include shape-shifting, dancing, talking with human voice, and so on, which is why a lot of Japanese pop culture includes uh, a magic cat or cat-type creatures, such as Sailor Moon, and also why these cats have split tails. Um, so, yeah, pretty interesting fun fact for you there. What's interesting is that one folk story involves a bakeneko sh- shape-shifting into a fat man and trying to complete, compete in sumo, which is actually really funny. And what's funny, though, is that during the Edo period, the sort of Middle Ages of Japan, before Tokyo was called Tokyo, people believed that cats with long tails were more likely to be bakeneko, so as, and as such, they would mistrust long-tailed cats and often cut them shorter so they wouldn't turn into these... Uh, these creatures. Mm, fucking wow. Change now, cat. a lot of these myths arise from actual real shit, and it's said that the origin of this particular superstition was that people would often hear a cat meowing and mistake it for a person talking. <laughs> and as late as 1992, an article in the Yomiuri newspaper was written that included a radical idea that if you suspect a cat has talked in human language, to simply stop, listen again, and you'll realise it was just meowing. <laughs> of course. Now, why am I telling you all this? Yeah. Well, because Japanese yokai are actually really, really <laughs> interesting and good fodder for games. I mean, that is great. Mm. So imagine being a bunch of adventurers track- tracking down cats that were turning into humans and joining sumo leagues only to find out that you've been killing actual people the whole time. And it was just people not paying enough attention to the sound that cats make. <laughs> <laughs> so considering considering all this rich lore, how does Black Tokyo present the Buck in Echo? Well... They're just cats with magic runes in their fur that can do mage, the mage hand can trip, and they can also lick you to heal hit points, which is something. Now, I don't mean to be a dick, right? But 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 we're playing in imaginary worlds, and writers can do whatever they want with their games. But it, they've taken what could have been a really cool monster and turned it into a magic cat that can lick you to heal HP, something normal cats aren't even known for doing. So if it were a dog, <laughs> it would be more believable. But anyway. So the rest of the bon- monsters are ba- the monsters are basically the same, Bonsters. using the names of well-established monsters and bedgens and uh, <laughs> but none of the interesting parts of it, just the names. He's got the names down. We can give him that. He's got the names. 
he can copy a name from Google like nobody's business. Mate. So yeah, of course you've got rape demons and a bunch of gore for the sake of gore monsters, but that is Black Tokyo. Essentially, there's a small part about the setting which doesn't add much more than we've already discussed here, and then a list of inspirations, which range from pop-art books, books to Urotsuki Doji to Silent Hill. But for me, right, here is a classic, classic fucking example of taking something as your inspiration, but not knowing how to actually use it well like they're trying to emulate something without knowing what made it good in the first place and i'm not talking about hentai here but on this podcast ladies and gentlemen our podcast sister show teats me senpai the anime podcast we did actually watch oratsuki doji probably the most famous hentai ever made and i can't say it's any good but it is unbelievably ridiculous the famous scene of course being where a demon's knob grows so big it destroys a hospital um, and elements like that, at least in a one-shot, could be played for laughs. And it did have some cool, pre- pretty decent backstory to the demon world in that anime and demons themselves. And although obviously it wasn't well realised in the anime, this could be a good element to include in the game for comedy. And Silent Hill, right? It oh. is shocking and it is violent, but it's actually a game about dealing with personal trauma, where the things you see in Silent Hill directly correlate to the things you have done, you fear, or dark secrets you hold. Mm. So how does this game take those elements and put them into practice? Well, it doesn't. It's just shock for the sake of shock. It takes the core, basic, tiniest, most child's understanding version of horror elements and and tries to tries to do something with it. And he just twists Japanese cultural elements to fit his stupid purpose. And that is Black Tokyo. Thank fuck that's over. <laughs> what a load of um, shit. Really, really. It's not even a game. I mean, uh, it's not. It's not even a game. It's it's a bunch of stupid feats and a guy trying to shock people. <sighs> so, so Nick, so Nick, I'll repeat again. Chris Field's a bit of a cunt. He is a cunt, and he is also <laughs> probably on some sort of register. Nick, what were your opinions about Black Tokyo? Are you going to be picking up a couple of copies for the gang? Oh, Christmas on my Christmas list. Um, no, I don't think so. It's yeah. <sighs> It's on your nasty Christmas it's list. It's on my nasty Christmas list. Not interested at all. Um, no, nope. in, in it at all. It sounds like a load of shit. And I yeah. think this is this has to be the example of the first thing maybe we've reviewed that has not a single redeeming characteristic to mm. it. Because I mean, let's talk about the presentation real quick. I sent you guys some of the pictures, mm. and what did you make of them, Nick? You a fan? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Gonna hang one on your wall. Can't say I am. So. Describe the art style a little bit, because it is it is shitter than you'd imagine. Well, as you... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's just, like, crudely drawn um, people, but, like, even if it's just, like, looks like it's, like, a character, they're like, you know, okay, the character's there, but they're just pulling their skirt up and revealing their... Their, their bits for, for, for no good reason for a lot no of the time. good reason so whatsoever. it would just be like here's this picture of a cool character for no reason whatever their fucking knickers are down yeah that's it or there's a tentacle doing a nasty yeah. on it or whatever oh. and the worst most offensive part is they look like they were drawn with crayons I don't know why <laughs> yeah. oh my god they were drawn badly <laughs> they're, they're really bad drawings yeah. and they've just Awful. tried to depict sexual acts in them yep yep, yep. <sighs> Chris yep. Field I have a good feeling who's going to win the Industry Douche of the Year award this year, by the way, at the 3T RPG Awards, and uh, and maybe worst art, worst product. Chris Field, if you are listening, I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah, same. What have you done? Yeah. Thrito. Good. Right, let's move on, man. Let's do some Electro Letters. Um, In the future, you 
will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the Electro Letter. Electro Letters, we asked you guys for your questions. Um, and uh, yeah, so here we go. Let's just keep it. Let's keep it jolly. Let's forget this ever happened. Um, CJ Stott. He says, "What RPGs would you like to try in the future?" Um, he's got a couple of other ones as well, but that one first of all, James Clark. Uh, well, not this one. <laughs> That's for sure. No, not let's never speak about it again. That's it. Done. Okay. His memory. Done. Gone. No more. Um, I want to try. Okay, I want to try one of those homebrew, really stupid ones because I found like a collection of uh i don't know fan made weird ones like cowboy bebop and jackie chan adventures that kind of shit i do actually want to try one <laughs> of those Jen. weird ones but more so be like a micro one or just a fan one fan made based on kind of ones that I, i've, I've been tempted there. by some of these before um and the only one i've ever played was the fallout fan game uh pen and paper role play i think there's a lot out there but this was the one by made by a Russian guy, um, and it was good, but there's you can kind of see a lot of times with these things why they're not professional game designers. Um, yeah. Because I remember reading about the Final Fantasy pen and paper RPG, um, which is also a fan thing, and I just remember it not being not being particularly good. I mean, it's not saying that publishers are always better than fan games because the Harry Potter one's really fucking good, but like. I mean, often, like, you know what you're getting. It's, an, it's like better the devil you know. Do you know what I mean? If I buy from Pinnacle, there's I complain about them a lot, but at least I sort of know what I'm getting versus some guy's untested Final Fantasy game that he's made and put on the internet for free. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, my, one of my main ones has got to be Aces and Eights. Um, oh, yeah, mate. It's a front runner, I think, for my next campaign because it's very simulationist and combat is very slow but i like the um the idea of it where gunfights are deadly and consist of like one or two moves it'll be like bang 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 yeah, everyone yeah. goes down and the silhouettes and stuff and like you know that 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 ah oh, just the whole it's it's, it's, it's a, a shot clock that's it it's an, it looks it really interesting it's something different that we haven't tried before and because it looks like it's done quite well you don't mind that it's so um what's it called um crunchy yeah, exactly, and you know, and it, I, I'm intrigued by it. It looks fucking fantastic. Like you know, when you're having a f- shoot off about someone on a roof. Yeah, it's not as crunchy as you think. I mean, the way it works is you line up the shot clock, which is a, basically a big um, acetate um, target over a silhouette, mm-hmm. and the game comes with loads of them. And so you say, I want to shoot him in the head. You line your targets up to the head. You roll a dice, uh, add your shooting score, and then pull a card, and that all basically cross reference to show where you hit. And it's That's pretty cool. it's pretty fucking cool. Um the, the thing that does make it crunchy is that combat is broken down into uh, counts and these are a, a tenth of a second. So um and everyone's acting basically at the same time. So first of all, when you roll initiative, um, you know, it's like how quickly can you get your gun out or how quickly can you bring it up to aim? You could take a shot quicker if you don't bring it up to aim. Um, and mm-hmm. act earlier, but you'll have less chance of hitting. So it's like that kind of strategic thing. But it seems complicated. But the way it kind of works is you have like this this clock thing that you place people's tokens on. So if Nick, you say to me, I want to run over there, and I'll say, okay, well, running at full sprint is uh, three counts. So yeah, all I do is move your token up, and when we get to your turn, you've moved three counts. 
See what I mean? Nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, that that's basically it. But it, it's crunchy, but then you have to remember it's broken down into very small segments. So combat takes the same amount of time as it usually would. It's just that people die very quickly. And even if you... Yeah, gotcha. Even if you take a wound in combat, but don't die immediately, you're very likely to die because it gets infected later on. <laughs> so Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> it's all about really thinking about it. It's more about actually living a, a Wild West life, really. Yes, um, which I think it's is like a really simulation. Great. Yeah, exactly. Well, not a simulation, but it, well, I suppose it is a bit. Yeah, it's, it, it's it is got a bit that of simulation really, kind of really. of realism. Yeah, mm. I like that. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to playing that a lot. Um, how about you, Nick? Uh, RPGs that you're interested to try for the future? Well, this Necropolis one's really got me interested, if I'm honest with you. So uh, because I've always loved the um, 40k, 40K worlds. Yeah, exactly. And um, you know, and then to combine that with uh, Savage Worlds rule set, I think that's quite quite up my street, mate. Well, it'll be so, amazing. Um, and it doesn't come with all yeah. of the uh, all of the baggage associated with 40k. You won't have like you know continuity lawyers getting annoyed at the table. Oh god, yeah, yeah, that's right. So it looks, yeah. So I'm quite. I think that might be quite fun. So awesome. and I'd also tr- quite like to. There's two actually. I do really want to check out that Alien RPG as well because I've heard good things about. So that. do I. Yeah, it looks really good. Mm. A lot of people have been raving about it on um, on the subreddit, the RPG subreddit. Yeah. So yeah, I, I want to do that as well. Looks good. What RPG, if any, was so bad you would never play it again? That's his second question. Oh. Now, because um, he said play it again, let's, it has to be one you've played that you'd never want to play it again. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my hat into the ring, and I am going to say Fate. Uh, nope, <laughs> I meant Fusion. Ah, you ain't played that. F- no, nobody Fusion. has Fusion. Fusion. Uh, the yeah. old system that that. Um, what the fuck are they called? Artalsorian Games. The old system they came up with that's used in Cyberpunk 2020 is really fun. Uh, Cyberpunk, the, the fusion system famously came into play when they made Cyberpunk 2033, which was the bad one in the series. And mm. not only did the system take a nosedive, the setting did too. And uh, obviously we played fusion and it's just, it lacks any real fun. And it's oh, also... Oh, I was going to say, say one that was Bubblegum Crisis, wasn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. going to bring that up too. It was also yeah, enjoyable sitting down playing with you guys, but it no, just was a was crap great. game. But it was the, the game, system, yeah, that was the mechanics, was yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you guys, I think that's probably the worst one for all of us because I don't think any of the others have been been bad, really. No, no, not at all. I mean, you know, I'll often have gripes with a system, but yeah, that's what house ruling is for. And you know, like um, I've I've enjoyed most of the games that I've actually ended up running campaigns in um yeah you know and and i can see the merits like even genesis for example it's not a game i would ever run but i always be happy to play it um mm. so yeah i know uh, yeah it's got to be fusion. we've been Fu- quite lucky really yeah absolutely we have um and you guys should check out you know artel sorin's previous system i forget what it's called now but oh interlock i think it's called i think it's called in- interlock but it's it's yeah. got it's like fusion obviously and shares some dna with it but it's in some ways a lot less polished but a lot more fun like it's really mm-hmm. deadly really tactical a lot of options for combat and it's really fucking good so yeah um he nice. lastly so we've all we've all gone fusion his last question he says if you could buy any one rpg company and make changes which one and what would you change we'll start with james clark um i'd buy savage worlds because i'd probably make a fucking killing off it um because you know profit 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 um <laughs> but i would there's particular nuances that we've sort of done at the table 
where we've kind of been like, oh, this is really great of Suede, but then, oh, but I reckon they should have done this. So I'd just embed those. Okay, yeah, so you do, you would take over and make your perfect version of Savage Worlds. Yeah. Fair enough. That's a, that's a good answer. I mean, it's pretty much... Uh, it's pretty much the best thing to do with it. Oh, I would take over Wizards of the Coast and um, fire everyone currently working there and <laughs> yeah. hire all the old TSR staff. <laughs> now, that would be good, right? Yeah. Or I would... Um, oh, You know what? A good one would be to buy Games Workshop and uh, in, uh, do a rule that people that come into their shops need to wear deodorant. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they lose a lot of players because a lot of them, <laughs> but, but it's a risk I'm willing to take. It's my company. Nick, how about you? Uh, what would I buy? I would, I would buy, I would buy Catalyst, and then sack the uh, people that make the books. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> that yeah. fifty quid Shadowrun spine just fell apart in weeks. Well, I I also think as well. Um, that I I really did want to buy Shadow Run Fifth Edition, but I was worried that it would happen again. Yeah, because it's an expensive book. Like the main the mainline RPG books are really fucking expensive. D and D is new Warhammer is fucking uh, Cyberpunk Shadow Run. All of this stuff is like so it's it's kind of a considered purchase. And when I considered that the glue would melt and all the pages would fall out, I was like, you know mm. what. Forget it. It's not that good, and plus I got Shadowrun Second Edition from the eighties, which is still held together. Same. So exactly, mine's still fine. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I would do. That's bad. That was that's that's really bad. I mean, Pinnacle used to have quite shoddy, uh, shoddy spines as well. I remember mm. one time I bought um, a copy off eBay of Deadlands, and all the pages fell out. But because I got it off eBay, there wasn't much I could do. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, a bit annoying. Uh, all right, next question, John Williams. He says, if you had the superpower of being able to squirt a different liquid out of every finger, and we're not going, <laughs> we're not going that that route. All right, of of one of your hands, what different liquids would you be able to squirt out of each finger? Now that is way too long. We're not going to do ten liquids each, but let's just say you have the power to squirt one liquid out of your hand. I'm actually sitting here pointing in real life because I'm imagining <laughs> it. <laughs> so yeah, what liquid are you going to go for? I'm going to start, and I would probably just go a nice, uh, nice, nice sort of um, cask ale. Oh, okay, that's good. I don't I know how car go... scale would fare being in my veins magically. Um, that's fine. I could just picture you pointing at a pint glass and slowly filling up and being like, it takes a little bit of time, but it'd be worth it. Or Because if you drink it straight out of your finger, that is going to look weird, isn't it? Yeah. yeah it's got to yeah, go yeah. in a so glass. You, it's got to go in a glass. And also for, for you know the magical effect. Yeah, because if you're sitting there just in a pub sucking your finger, that's a bit strange. <laughs> I know what mine is. I know, I know what mine's going to be. Go. What do we always need when we're eating infinite burger sauce, mate? Oh, okay. Well, I don't know, but he said but if he, we'd have gone with the original parameters of the question, you could have had ketchup and mayonnaise. You mix those if you want burger sauce, but hey, nobody's pressuring you, man. Here's some ketchup. Oh, proper burger sauce. That is what it is. <laughs> it's half and half ketchup and mayo. Try it. No, I know, but, but no. Oh, okay, all right. This to be enough. kebab shop. Burger sauce. Yes. What is it about kebab shop burger sauce that's nicer than any other? It's just is it, the best. Is I think it it's like, the sugar content. It must be something like that, right? Fuck, that's yeah. made me hungry. It's also why kebab shop salad's the best. <laughs> <laughs> kebab shop salad is is the thing I brush out of the way to get to the Donner kebab, right? Oh, that's, no. That's why you always see, you always see like, if you ever see a discarded 
kebab packet, and you see loads <laughs> on a Friday night. It's always the box and then some salad in it. Yeah, they do go crazy with the salad a lot of the time. It, yeah, because yeah. it costs them nothing. It's like, okay, this donut meat, that's premium, right? But the fucking salad, it's like Quite whole enough. fucking lettuce in there, not even cut up. <laughs> <laughs> fucking old lemon in there. <laughs> whole lemon, whole lettuce. Like a bath, <laughs> a bathtub full of chili sauce. Lovely. Now we're I was talking. talking to uh, James, I was talking to James the other night, and ages ago on this podcast, I remembered something James said that we brushed over and never really actually talked about. But ja- <laughs> we were talking about getting a kebab, and James went, um, "Yeah, I love a kebab, but you got to get all the sauces." And Nick, you went, "What do you mean all the sauces?" And then I went, "Next question." And so James, what do you mean? Do you get every what do sauce? You mean? No, it just means you just get all the sauces. So <laughs> what I shoot out of my finger, right? Um, is uh, if we only had one choice. Uh, mm. I'm just going to go run on a mill, middle of the ground, boring as fuck. But for for for, for, for survival reasons, water. Well, oh, that is a, That's a lame answer, man. Yeah. Water, water comes out of one of your appendages already. All right, yeah, there's a true. fair amount of urine in it. What about hand sanitizer? <laughs> <laughs> that okay, would be great. And, okay, fine. Right, it'll be acid for my enemies. <laughs> See, now we're talking. Um, and Red Hill is, of course, home of acid attacks. So um, home of my enemies. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Cool. Well, that's good. Um, he's got a couple more questions. He said, "What one cool. tabletop RPG would you like to be turned into a video game apt- adaptation?" Um, have there been any good RPGs that have been made into a video game adaptation? I suppose it's just the assumption counts. that it would be good. Are we allowed to just put that assumption in there? Uh, well, I'm the way I'm thinking about it is like if a AAA developer got it and it could either go that it might ruin it, but it might it will probably be fairly decent because as far as I know, like the Pathfinder video games look really good. They're just like playing combat scenarios in the Pathfinder system. And the Sh- Shadow Run games are good. Oh, that's a good fucking point. I love those. I forgot. They're for great games. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess uh, the, the Shadowrun games were really good. I don't know if there's been a good Warhammer game out there. Oh, no, they're fucking... Oh, has. no. Yes, they're has tied. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and um, that... Oh, well, it's more, it's more uh, Games Workshop side of it, isn't it? But um, that uh, Total War, is it? I mean, it's oh, like, that it's like is Command fucking... Conquer, but Mate, for, for 40k. That's a good one. That uh, Yeah, the uh, Total War Warhammer's amazing. Mate, um, cracking games. Yeah. Hmm, I'm looking at my shelf over here... I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if I would want, like, an RPG. Vermintide be... is fantastic. It is great. It's basically a yeah. mod for Left 4 Dead, but it is fucking good. So good, yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know if there's any specific, like, maybe a setting would be cool. Like, a like a Deadlands game would be pretty fucking good. Like, uh, yeah. maybe a Deadlands strategy game. Or a DCC, Funnel Simulator. Oh, that's what just... I was thinking the same. I was thinking exactly that. As DCC, cab, like, short campaign, um, you know, their um, settings, that, that one of them would be great. Like, the star, was it the Starless Sailors on the Starless Sea, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, what you could do with that would be really great. It's like... It's like DCC Funnel Builder, and it's like a mini game that you can play on your computer to get to just run, you know, twenty characters through a funnel and get your characters. You can and it gives you a character from. sheet at the end. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And ah. the, what you could do is, it's like so you're you have a GM, you have like a budget with which to build a dungeon from preset parts to try and kill as many of them as you possibly can, and yeah. then you get a character sheet at the end. That's cool. I like that, that would be fun. That would um, be really fun. Is there any you can think of, Nick, that you'd like to see turn into a video game? Don't know, really. It's a tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, you love your video games. 
you love your role playing games. I kind of think crossover. I I agree. Like I play video games for a very different reasons mm. that I play role playing games. Like anything ro- that's Monkey Islandish. So Call of Cthulhu, a couple of them uh, could be interesting. I know they have brought out a game, but you know, like um, like that, that kind of classic Monkey Island investigating kind of yeah, really like good a point and click game. adventure. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that as a, as an RPG like uh, setting. Or how yeah. about then that it's like a work, it's like a toolkit that make you can make a game like that, but you add all your bits so you can turn your adventure into a little game. Well, they kind of already have a venture game studio, um, so oh, okay. <laughs> maybe this is uh, shit. Uh, yeah, I mean the thing is about like when I play video games, like nowadays I tend to play ones that are very gameplay focused because yeah. you know those type of twitchy skills and skill challenges and things like that i don't really come up in rpgs and i don't necessarily play games that have a big story nowadays and so yeah but with an rpg i do want a really interesting world a big story things like this but Definitely. the depth in rpgs is a little bit bigger than video games i'd say um so yeah i don't know if i would want them to cross over really more, more yeah, often it's a weird one. yeah how about you james um i was thinking probably made oh yeah that'd be cool <laughs> Because it's just it's just fucking it's just stupid and mental, isn't it? And that could easily be a, a, a really fun video game because it's it can anything can happen. Well, yeah, because it could be almost like a um uh like an overcooked style game where you're a maid yeah. serving the master, and every time you fuck something up, you get more stress points, and then your stress explosion could happen. Things are turning on fire. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's that'd yeah. be a cool game. That would be good. That would be good. All right. Let's move on. What band would make the best random encounter in an RPG? <laughs> Ramstein. We've done that already. We've done that. Yeah, moving on. Oh, so we've like, had Ramstein in our gang. Um, uh, I ICP. Think, oh, God, yes. You know, the funny thing is, there's a gang in Cyberpunk 2020 called the Bozos, who are basically ICP. <laughs> um, Brilliant. I was going to say, I was going to say, just because we were listening to it in the car on the way back from the game the other night, uh, Five, right? Because what I like about the band <laughs> Five is that they were such like factory-made like um, bad boys, right? Yeah. And imagine if you actually met them in an RPG and they're like, "I'm the bad boy that you invite to dinner, ain't got no manners because I, I eat, eat with, with my, my fingers." fingers. <laughs> yeah, and you're just and you're sitting there just like, "Who's this fucking clown?" And then he he goes to hit you, and it's like one damage. All right, do you want to fuck off now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then yeah, they, they right. run off singing singing one of their other great hits, you know. That would be so good. Like a, oh, like a manufactured bad boy, you know, something like that. <laughs> that I also think like maybe good. a band of aging rockers as well, like ACDC, <laughs> like they once had all the vim and vigour of, uh, of the youth. But nowadays, yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> like their, their hairline has faded so far back, it's basically on his neck, you know, he's old. <laughs> yeah. What about um, Slipknot would be good because there's yeah. so many of them. Yeah, that's true. Um, and they that's all like wear one. masks. Yeah, that's a really good one. And so they'd actually be formidable foes. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, they would because yeah. their stage shows consist of them basically fighting each other and hitting things with baseball bats. So that would be perfect. Yeah, exactly. Imagine yeah, Joey Jordison really doing a fucking uh, drumming on your head with his crazy <laughs> drumming. <laughs> 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 uh, he's got a yeah. special um, edge that allows him to do a thousand attacks per beat. Uh, yes there's your answer Slipknot how many ducks would it take to overwhelm an adventuring party of three level two characters and how could how did an Oromancer get so many ducks in the first place what if each duck had a revolver how did the ducks even get revolvers gentlemen the duckopolis has uh, duck 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 fuck me duckopolis 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 yeah Dacopolis is like the town 
that the duck the duck is, <laughs> is is the when that town fell. <laughs> yeah. But how did how did this naturally fit into the campaign we're about that to is run? Weird, isn't it? We've got a psychic link to our strange listeners, and um, we're not going to answer the duck question. But um, we'll answer it when we've played the campaign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then we'll know <laughs> yeah, how yeah. the duck apocalypse happened. We'll let you know. Um, <laughs> have either of you ever played the video game Duck Game? What's that one? No, I've seen it's it. It's so no, it. good, man. It. it is. A, a four-player party game where you play really short rounds of one-hit kill matches on a 2D plane, kind of like a Sega Genesis game. Yeah. And uh, you play ducks and just try to shoot each other with weird weapons, and uh, oh. you can pick each other up, throw each other for the level. It's really great. If you like Towerfall, Smash Brothers, or anything like that, it's so much fun. My friend Katie uh, bought it for me, and uh, we basically played it for an entire night, and it is so good. And it could be character awesome. inspiration for uh, the Duckocalypse, because um, there's a news reader called John Mallard in there. That's hey. it. But yeah, great game. I would definitely pick it up. It's uh, 10 quid. But yeah, that's it for Ooh. questions this time. So uh, yeah, we'd fight Slipknot in an RPG. Shall we do an outro, please? Yes. Pardue, what are you doing? Going to join the Great Hall. You can't. It's a trap. I have spells. I'm going to fly. You don't have enough points. I am the maze controller. Maze Maze controller? Yes. I might delete the main subject. Cut it down to just a bunch of, like, snippets. Snippets. Reactions. Yeah, I don't know if it's too much to do. Then well, I, the only thing is, yeah, like, I feel like it. I feel like the content is so bad for that one. It's like so disgusting that I don't know. Like talking about it made me feel uncomfortable. And I'll I tell you what, why don't you try and edit? And if it's a fucking sham, we we'll jump on in the evening and do a bonus. Yeah, we'll just uh, edit in like a new main subject. Well, okay, let's do that. I'll, I'll, and if I'll, I'll sort of judge it as I'm editing it, if I yeah, feel like yeah, it's yeah. terrible, what we'll do keep some is, bits though, just so we can still, you know, acknowledge this terrible thing. Yeah, so we'll do that. Um, if it is indeed that bad, or if I can't edit it to make it palatable, um, yeah. if not, we'll do we'll do we'll meet up one day in the week and just do a half an hour segment on how to run an evil campaign. How about that? Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Maybe, mate. And then we'll just splice it in, mm. and that and could actually be quite time, funny as well. It's mulky bulky. Yes, that's right, mate. Two weeks. Merky-doky. So, what time are we starting? Because I'm going to need to obviously make sure I'm off on the way well, early. Bear, so. Only thing is, bear in mind, we are in the outro, and this is more of a production meeting. Oh, shit. Yeah, what am I talking about? Sorry, mm-hmm. you can cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd finish. Right. No, me too. So, um, yeah, if you want to contact us, 3trpgpod at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Patreon, we're on Twitter. We're on all <laughs> of the stuff. Isn't that right, Nick? That's right, mate. We're on Fucknutter. We're not on Fucknutter. We uh, deleted our account there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're yeah, a nutfucker, though. Nice. We're on Nutfucker instead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is it for another episode. Sorry about this one. Um, I'm Harrison. I'm Nick. I'm James. And we're all sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Field, you suck. <laughs> Cunt. <laughs> <laughs>